Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now... Here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to the How's Your Father podcast. This is a podcast all around all things fatherhood. My name is Johnny Cochran and I am the host of the podcast. But you'll know by now, if you've listened to it before, that I always come mob-handed. I've always got a superb guest to help me discuss these aspects of fatherhood. And today is no different. Um, But to kind of try and break up the little rascal style approach to um, this podcast so far, where it's just a boys only club, I've got our first female guest of the season who's uh, going to be coming on. And it's none other than the wonderfully talented Jade Adams. Oh, Johnny, that's such a nice intro to me. Thanks for having me. Well, the thing is, is, is it, it's an important aspect, fatherhood, and it's one that affects us all. And of course, you know, it will be a little male leaning in terms of the fact that, you know, fathers are, you know, males and, and a lot of these aspects are going to be affecting them. But as I say, it's an issue that affects everyone. And you obviously have a father. I do. I was going to say, oh, well, of course, I am a father. Of course, you know that. Uh, no, but I do have a father. Yes, I do. Dave. Dave. That's a good dad name, isn't it, Dave? Dave, yeah. Dave is a great name. And he's he was always that kind of guy when I was at school as well. Like, all my friends would be like, oh, or hi, Dave. Like, I, I'll be honest, a lot of my friends at school fancied my dad. Um, really? And they were all like, yeah. So the name Dave became somewhat almost disgusting for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. <laughs> hey, Daddy Dave. Hi, um, Dave. Oh, okay, okay. So Dave was a bit of a stud in the uh, in the community. I don't think he is a stud because he's my father, and I don't fancy. <laughs> no, no matter how much my accent may indicate to you that I could fancy a member of my family, <laughs> it's a bit of a hack joke. Fuck it. Um, am I allowed to swear on the pod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Back we invite it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, uh, but. I, uh, my dad is very, very kind and has a very kind soul. Uh, he doesn't have, um, most people that meet him will realise quite quickly he doesn't have an ego. Okay. So did he just take all of it and inject it into you? Was that the way that it went? (laughs) Oh, I just, I, I think my laugh just peaked there. Sorry, Paul. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) You arsehole. I'm going to, I'm going to, shall I turn myself down a bit, Paul Daniels? No, don't worry, you're fine. Oh, okay, yeah, great. And, and even then, like, we might just leave that in, because Paul 
did get a shout out on some of the first episodes, but then since then he's kind of just been like a little mysterious figure hovering in the background, you know. So this is a Producer shout. When Paul is famous, we should keep him in. Oh, well, he's thank got you, a name. Thank you. Got a name like Paul Daniels. Of course he is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk fatherhood now. And you know, you gave us a lovely intro to Dave there. Um, so what, you know, as someone who has a father who, and you're very much vouching for how good and impactful they've been on your life, what do you think it is um, that makes such a wonderful, makes Dave such a wonderful dad? And what do you think um, potentially has changed in terms of those requirements on men to be a great dad from maybe, you know, when Dave was having you as a young child to have someone who has a child now? Well, I mean, I'm hypothesising on all of this so because I, I don't really understand the psychology and I just sort of guess at it. But my dad is one of six and he was the middle child and he was very much relied upon by my nan and my... Well, when my granddad died, he quite he died quite young. He was like 69 when he died, which I'd say is quite young for an, an old person nowadays. It's normally 80s, isn't it? Or if you're my other granddad, 90 bloody three, he's still alive. Um and my dad, he was uh, the middle one of six children and I, he had a lot of responsibility put on his shoulders and he did it all. I mean, a lot of the brothers and sisters would say that he's probably the favourite. And I think because he always had that sense of responsibility for other people, it's meant that he's never really sort of actioned any ego-based desires. Like he had a job. He was an apprentice at Rolls-Royce who do the engines for the aeroplanes or the Airbuses. He transferred over to Airbus in Bristol and then retired about three years ago to a huge celebration because he was like the only person in the company that understood what the role was that he had to do at the company. Like no one else can do it. He had a, I referred to it, you know, as a Chandler job, if anyone understands what that means. So it's a reference to the 90s sitcom friends. <laughs> um, but he had a job that none of us really understood, but he, um, he, worked really hard and um, was able to provide for a family of five. And I don't know, I think maybe the psychology of being the responsible one in a, in a group of six where there are all sorts of different personalities. And if there is someone that's more demanding in that group of six, they're obviously going to be the alpha in the tribe, you know. Mm. But he's never had the desire to be like that. He's only ever really loved my mum, loved us, loved my brother, because he also took my brother on. So my brother's not his biological son, but my dad's been raising Cain since he was two years old. Obviously, he doesn't raise him now because he's in his 40s. But when dad, <laughs> when dad refers to his children, Cain's part of that. Um, Cain's dad is... Um, will say very politely AWOL um, but my dad's done a very good job at raising him as well and very supportive and like you know we're full brother and sister especially because we're my dad lost a child as well um, we're missing my sister so there's a sort of gap in between us but he's a I, I mean, he's just a great guy. So it's an interesting, you know, uh, point you bring up there, the different generations of dads and how... A lot, I mean, it kind of touches on the fact that a, a lot of people say from our parents' generation, they didn't have as much of... It's not necessarily a childhood, but certainly, you know, in those teenage years, you know, my mum and dad, they, they were straight out of school, straight into work, especially from a working-class background. You didn't have the luxury of, you know, going travelling and finding yourself, <laughs> you know. My, my parents were finding themselves in a factory. Yeah, but... They may talk about how difficult it was when they were younger, but look at them now. They now own their houses and they're retired. We're never going to be able to do that. The baby boomers can moan all they like about having 
been put to work at the age of 14 years old like they've always instilled in us but all of them own their own houses and most of our generation are not going to be doing that so shut up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well I I think that's a fair point as well to be honest so we've looked at the way that Dave kind of took to uh, his role of being a, a care provider. Um, what what would you say in terms of um, you know you're in a relationship with someone who has a ch- children as well? Um, what would you say that do you feel? Because um, I know you do a lot of thinking around this, and Rich in particular does a lot of thinking about men's mental health. What do you think are the kind of new pressures on newer dads um, that potentially Dave might not have had to face? But, um, you know, a new dad would have to face when rearing their children in the current climate. Well, because of equality, which I'm all for, uh, (laughs) now dads are required to have a more of emotional support with their child, to be interested in the thing that they're doing, to not be the person that goes to work. So in my specific situation I'm the breadwinner of our household and it's a sort of it's different than what I grew up with because my mum worked she worked twice uh, a week at Asda um, and I quote because I didn't want to buy your dad presents out of his own money Um, (laughs) so my mum's always been quite independent like that and she also she was the one who bought our clothes took us to things but dad drove us to stuff he was always the practical help Whereas mum was really involved in our um, our uh, our sort of childhood hobbies. We did freestyle disco dancing at my dad's sister's dance school and he drove us there every Saturday and then he would like go to work for a few hours because it was near, they, the two venues were near each other and then he would take us home. But And, and he'd come to competitions and stuff, but mum was fully involved. She was getting us ready into makeup and hair. Like you're seeing nowadays, like men are plaiting kids' hair and, and, and uh, you know, their children's hair and, their, and it's going viral online. I think there is this expectation now for, guys to be a lot softer and their child you know raising a child now isn't just about providing a financial support to that kid i think now you lot are are having to open your hearts to your children because what we've noticed is trauma uh reflecting in at the adults that didn't have that when they were younger with the other generation i'm in full agreement jade i'm, I'm liking your insight here it's really, it's really interesting and and to talk about trauma, you kind of hinted at it as well um, with regards to Dave, but you um, did, uh, Dave did lose a child, your sister. Did. Um, and that obviously would have been a massively traumatic time for n- not just Dave, but all of you. Um, how how did, do you feel, like, you know, I know you're having to speak for him now, but how do you feel that Dave approached that whole issue? And, you know, how did he as a father, help to mitigate the damage caused by such a great loss on the rest of the family? I think he just stayed very calm. I think there's, I mean, I'd love to give you some inspiring sentence that would say that, you know, he did this, he did this, he did this. But I think the one thing that my dad has done, well, it's coming up to 10 years now, in the 10 years that she's not been around and throughout her illness for the six years beforehand, I think he's just stayed very calm and very practical. And it was actually my dad that uh, she had had the final grand mal seizure. Her brain tumour had caused epilepsy and he was in the car with her because she'd been feeling ill and it was him that she sort of had the fit on and um, he had to carry her into the walk-in centre and I make a joke, I was like, it's lucky it was that sister because if it was me, it'd have had to drag me in by my foot. (laughs) (laughs) So dark, isn't it? (laughs) Um, But he, uh, yeah, he's just been, 
do you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's a really un... Uh, it's it's an uneventful thing that my dad did, but it's been so important in how my mum and I and our family in general have felt. Because if I was a surviving child of parents who were grieving and those two went nuts, I don't know how I would have coped with that, Johnny. I really don't. Like, because they've been able to just get on with it and have this sort of very British sensibility about them, which is, you know, keep calm and carry on... Because of that, I've been able to be me and react how I've wanted to react. And I've been very supported by a calmness in their in their grief. Um, some people could say, oh, maybe your dad has buried it. Maybe he hasn't felt. And if if that is true, 10 years later, surely he would be, um, you know, not being able to control his feelings about stuff. You know what it's like when someone's mm. got something on their mind and they haven't dealt with stuff. They, they're they like an arsehole. He's not an arsehole. He's great. He's just helped me buy my first house. Like he managed the entire thing. I think probably also they, I, I mean, I don't want to say too much, but... You know, I keep my mum and dad very busy with my successful life <laughs> as well. Um, and they get to their, you know, like I haven't, I, I, I'd i say that I've probably, some people in my family might say I've got arrested development. I'm a comedian. We're meant to have it. Um, but I've given them both, a, they're still my parents, you know, they still parent me. <laughs> I still go to them when I'm worried or if I need help buying getting a mortgage because i don't know understand any of these numbers and percentages dad they keep sending me emails i don't know what they want from me that's that that's been a conversation we've had several times in this process you mentioned as well that um your father your both your parents took on the um care uh provision of uh, another your, your brother called kane um in terms of how your father in particular took to that situation and um provided that care how like you know i mean I, i'm presuming because you've said he's done such a good job that it was always made to feel that um kane was absolutely part of the family and how what like demonstrable things did you see in terms of the way dave acted with regards to kane who was a new into the family that as opposed to, um, you know, potentially the way you'd, you'd been treated throughout? Well, I mean, he's raised us all equally. I, I've i seen the will as well. We're, it's a very equal situation. <laughs> I'll be honest, it's all more in my favour now. She's fucked off. I'm joking. I'm so joking. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're, it's a very equal situation. You've got to remember, my dad took in another woman's child in the seventies, is this your is is Kane your mum's child? Yeah, so right. her first marriage. Right. Uh, she got married to a guy in the seventies, and he ended up just being a bit rubbish. And she, oh, it's such a sad little story, Johnny. So mum, uh, I think there was a crossover. Who knows? But mum and dad met in in between Bridgewater and Bristol at this venue that was having a party, and dad had seen her across the way, and she had really really long hair down to her waist back then in the 70s you can imagine what she looked like tiny little waist high-waisted uh jeans you know and uh and mum and dad sort of met there and they started dating but then Kane's dad his biological father um uh you know begged my mum for a for another chance and for the sake of her child she decided to try and give her marriage a shot again 
And my dad was so brokenhearted that he didn't, in the six months that she went off to try and fix her marriage, my dad didn't see anyone else. And apparently she was working in this pub and someone was on the jukebox playing Evergreen by Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. And they were, they were playing it over and over again. And apparently it was my dad and it was their song. And he, um, and then she like left King One and went, and uh, that was my brother's dad, he's Chinese, um, and met my dad and my dad's just been there. And he wanted to be with my mum so much that he like worked in Bristol and then got a like job in a bar in Bridgewater. Like he sort of traveled an hour to see my mum every day and be with her and stuff. And this was like 1976, I think they met. And um, yeah, he just you know my mum was everything to him. The thing is, is as you say it, I'm get I'm hearing you were working as a waitress, waitress <laughs> that kind of, you know that kind of storyline I'm playing. But, Apparently, um, my my mum was his manager at one point. I mean, I haven't got all the details of this, but she, she oh no 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 no, it wasn't. That's this is the story. Dad was my mum's manager, and then whenever I say that, mum always goes yeah, here. Yeah, but. That sounds more like the 70s. That sounds more like the 70s. He was her manager. Yeah, but her response is, well, I didn't listen to him, did I? (laughs) But they, so so dad obviously took, like, it was a full package. Like, mum had a kid. She had a two-year-old son. My brother was half Chinese. He had a little bowl haircut. With it was so cute, he was so sweet. <laughs> this <laughs> tiny little two year old Chinese kid with a bowl haircut. Oh my god, he was too much. And my dad obviously met him and fell in love with my brother because he's adorable and happily raised him, uh, with my mother alongside. Because mum was like, Yeah, she they you know, they'll have arguments, and mum will be like, She'll say things like, I was a single mother, and he was like, I raised Kane from the age of two, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he's always been there for Kane and, and 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 do you know what? That's another testament to what my dad how cool he is. He's just like really chilled because that was nineteen seventy six. He was like, How old was my dad then? Like twenty eight years old, taking on someone else's kid. Was he twenty eight? Yeah, he was twenty eight. Do you know what I love about this? It, it's this this story couldn't happen in modern times as well. No, he wasn't because... twenty eight. Sorry, he wasn't twenty eight. Mum was twenty one when she got married and had Kane. Kane was two, so my dad would have been twenty. Right, but yeah, in, if that happened in current times, it'd be you know your mum met met your dad. He tried he he, he uh, tried to get with her. She said no. I'm going back to my old husband. There'd be no six month layoff. It'd be right. Get Tinder out again. Fire it up. Whack whack. whack. <laughs> match match next? match. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. Like you know, love's dream seems to have died a little bit. But um, so so in terms of you know, it, it's it's really interesting. You said that like in terms of your dad's own childhood. Like the fact that he was forced into a position of responsibility straight away. Um, and so he just kind of continued that on. And, you know, to develop on what you're saying about no ego, it's more like he just wants his family to be all right. Do you think that um, that is what your dad um, kind of perceives as being a good dad is? Like hitting those junctures of, you know, providing financially and essentially being reliable. I don't know if he analyzes it in that way. I think he just has a has children, makes sure they're the children are taken care of in whatever way he needs to take care of them. 
I I don't think he overanalyzes it too much to think that, oh, no, I need to do this to be a good dad. He just naturally does the things that you need to do. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, well, he doesn't hit, he never hit us. He, I mean, we had a slap across the back of the legs, Johnny. Oh, I'm not I, telling... Who didn't have one of them, you know? <laughs> I'm not telling you he didn't smack me across the back of the legs when I was a little c- Oh, hang on, that was too much. <laughs> Beep. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a slap across the back of the legs, you know, obviously some people took that too far and now we don't do that to the children. Um, but, you know, I, I, there was a, I did, I did care about my dad's feelings, even though he was quite soft. Like if mum said to us, so before he came home from work, if we'd have upset mum and she says, wait until your father gets home. If, if dad comes home and she's upset, we're in massive trouble because it, it, it wasn't, I mean, he, didn't want her to be upset because he loved her, but also because he wanted to just come home and relax. Yeah. So if he had to come home from work after a 12-hour day at Airbus to us having upset mum to the point where she's genuinely upset rather than, you know, like a sort of parent-child argument or something where we're like, no, it was you, it was you. If we'd yeah. have, like, upset her, we were mass- We were in trouble. Really, really in trouble. And it normally was because me and Jenna were fighting or I wouldn't clean my room or someone had done something or broken something. You know, it wouldn't have been something like that. But, we, you know, we did... We were scared of him. Uh, You know, like, scared is probably the wrong word. Maybe afraid of Dad being upset with us. Oh, and I tell you what, the two of them... the, The only way that they've been able to control a personality like mine is that I super care about whether or not they feel all right. So I the uh, I can have a guilt trip. So if they're disappointed in me, it's bad. Right. Like I have, that's how they've been able to control me as a child. Because you can imagine what it was like raising someone like me, Johnny. <laughs> um, for just two normal people to just handle this all by themselves. <laughs> My brother wasn't like this. He was very, uh, sunshine out, shone out of his ass, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> But having two sisters like me and my sister and raising them, like the two of them need a medal, I'll be honest. But they sort of handled it by making us care about uh, disappointing them, you know, because they gave us, I think that probably came from the fact that they gave us, they gave us a lot of praise and support when we liked to do something or we did something well. Like every time I, I showed showed off a talent in my house with my mum and dad, oh, they'd go mad. They'd go crazy with happiness. They'd be so chuffed with it and it meant that I want to do it again. And because- do you think, do you think, Jay, sorry to cut you off, do you think that that was part, they would be so excited by you kind of being flamboyant and showcasing talents because... Say, for instance, with your dad, the way that you've explained his, uh, him growing up, he's had to kind of suppress maybe some interests of his own in that sphere because he had to take the responsibility role and be a provider. Is th- Would that be fair? Or Oh, I'd say that's true, yeah. I think there was a lot more responsibility held on the young when it was the 70s, you know, and I think that I didn't get given any responsibility for quite a long time uh, in my life. Maybe, maybe that has something to do with the fact that I was the baby as well. I was the youngest, so... It's not like that anymore. You've got, you've got car keys and house keys, haven't you? Yeah, you're Mortgage trusted car- with them. I'm trusted with them. I pay <laughs> bills. Actually, you know, Rich does that. I just give him the money. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, you're working your way up to responsibility. That's great. I'm slowly great. getting there in my 30s, yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Obviously, we're talking about Dave, your wonderful dad. But um, if we were to put some hypotheticals out there. I know you've not um, currently got children, but if you were to um, potentially, you know, in, in a scenario, if you were to have kids, what what attributes would you really kind of look for in a potential father in, in, in modern times? What, what would be like kind of non-negotiables uh, for you looking for your potential mother lens? Uh, Well, I would say as a feminist, (laughs) one of the things that is really key to me is that I don't want anyone that I'm having children with moaning that they have to do jobs that women have done for years. So, like, I don't want any, like, I, I would have to have complete equality with raising a child now. I wouldn't have it like what my mum and dad had because... I am the person that works. I, you know, I work way more than my mum did, but she did all the house stuff. But we would have to get a cleaner, for example, if he didn't want to do the cleaning. <laughs> We'd have to get someone to do that. There- a ma- male or female cleaner? Well, either one. I don't give Either. Shit. Equality. Equality. <laughs> as long as they don't talk to me and they do their job, I'm happy, Johnny. <laughs> Just clean. Just clean. I mean, I would eventually have a relationship with them, but they couldn't be over familiar immediately. Just a reminder that Dave, Jade's father, has no ego. Um, sorry, continue, Jade. Uh- he has none. I've got fucking tons. That's why I do this. People love me for it, Johnny. Um, but that's the other thing is, we were talking about ego. Um I don't. I, I do have one. Obviously, I, I'm a comedian and I work in this job. You have. You've definitely got to have one. And plus, I just have one. But I think that a lot of my ego is when people have a sort of big personality or they have a big ego. Um, I would say it, with friends that I've met, the relationship that that person has with their family or their parents is very key to how much that ego is in check. 
and I have such a super strong bond with my mum and dad that I can't actually ever run away with myself because they very much bring me down to earth if I do do that. If you get what I mean? Like I can't treat my parents disposably. Is that the right word? I can't be disposable with my parents or their feelings. I have to make time for them and I FaceTime my mum. I have a quite a close relationship with her with regards to this house. My dad isn't just going to be there to be my secretary. This is, you know, he's teaching me how to do this stuff. So it's not like, you know, like they don't just do stuff for me. I have to learn how to do the thing that they're showing me at the same time, which is why I can cook really well. I have been, I stood next to my parents cooking. Well, my mum did most of it, but dad would definitely do the weekends. We always have dad's tagliatelle on a Sunday. Um, And we used to make way more of a deal about dad's tagliatelle than we did about mum's roast dinners she made every every day of the week. Um, and they were great. Um, or the Chinese she made. We never gave mum any credit, but dad did his tagliatelle on a Sunday and we used to go, oh, dad's tagliatelle. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, I think that my ego is in check because I have to defer to those two and I probably will for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, having parents as a kind of buffer um, is so important to everyone's kind of character, isn't it? And I think that's what being a strong parent and and in this case a strong father um you know is and a good father for that point is all about really um so the thing is is our generation and we've we've touched on these points uh quite a lot but you know we're not the baby boomer generation so we um grew up straight away and got a house and whatnot and um now it is a case where people are working and staying single for a lot longer before they commit to a family and therefore like fathers have this kind of um kind of split focus of having a career but also having to think about that in the same way women do you know and 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 it's getting harder and harder to you know, settle down into that family mode when you've got so many other distractions. So, um, like, because it's interesting, you also say about the feminism thing, and I saw a great point, which was about, um, I, I saw it on, uh, it was on Irish TV, and it was like, the best thing that men can do for depression is embrace feminism, because they're trying, a lot of men are trying to adhere to an old idea of what masculinity is, which was, got to be a provider, got to you know, got to be strong, got to do all this. And ultimately, allowing women to take a much bigger role in, yes, you know, they've always done childcare, but yes, they can, you know, be providers as well, equal providers, then that will actually be uh, something that will liberate far more men in the current climate and particularly fathers. Hey, if my, if, if, if it was now that the way that we fed ourselves was by ploughing a land and lifting stuff and like slaughtering pigs. And, you know, if we lived like that, then yeah, a male's role in it would be, you know, would be more physical based and we'd rely on them a lot more. But we're living in in a world of technology now. And to be honest with you, the people that succeed the most at the moment are the people that know that stuff. And that happens to be men or women. In our household, I'm sort of the person that knows how as you guys have um experienced several times i don't want any help with that i know what i'm doing um (laughs) um, but i suppose it's different now and the the genders and obviously you know we've got all sorts of different genders now but the you know everything's a lot more it's interesting that there's a a huge shift in people wanting to be you know not wanting but people deciding that you know they want to live a non-binary life um and that they are non-binary because 
you know, the sexes have equalised in terms of like providing because of the way that we provide nowadays. Um, and and it, and I think that the you know a lot of a lot of male depression and I've 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 seen it you know Rich uh, who I'm who I'm with he you know he's a a guy who was told when he was growing up when he he's a in his forties um, it's his birthday today actually um, and he was told when he was growing up you you know you're gonna you're going to go to school and then you're going to dig, dig, you're going to dig holes in the ground and then you're going to have kids and then you're going to die. And actually Rich is incredibly creative, but that wasn't really nurtured during his generation with working class blokes. And what you find now is a lot of sort of, I'd say a lot of um, guys uh, of uh, around the ages of 40, especially are finding themselves lost um, as to know how they have, uh, you know, have a life where they feel that they're providing something, you know, because the thing that they're meant to provide is not there anymore. You know, physically, you know, like the sort of biology of it. The old fashioned thing was the guy went out to provide and the woman stayed home and raised the children. Yeah. Um, and I, that was sexism at its all time worst, I would say. I'd argue there are other points in history where sexism may have been doing a little bit more damage. Uh, yeah, of course. No, I would agree. Witches thrown in the water. <laughs> but no, no, I am. Um, absolutely. You mean, um, you know, when we're talking about the fact that almost these guys are feeling redundant because if they can't fulfill what their you know perceived role that was projected to, onto them from young if they can't fulfill that role they're going like well what do I do now and therefore feeling a little bit lost in in that respect if people have been raised in a in a way so say you meet someone and they come from a family and that family, you know, that a parent of theirs has shouted at them their whole lives when they've done something wrong. When they become an adult, that's all that they're going to know how to do. So if they feel that something's wrong, they're going to just shout their way out of it because that's their that's the sort of cognitive behavioural that they've been given as they've been older. But now, but now we're in a society where everyone's calming the calming down with how they, well, you're, you know, women are speaking up about domestic violence, domestic abuse, being made to feel bad by their partners, like all of that conversation's happening now because we're giving people voices. And and people, men, are realising that maybe some of the things that they do or how they behave might be wrong. And it's so difficult to understand that everything that you know is wrong and it has to change. And I think sometimes people are quite naive about how to inflict change upon the world they think by shouting at someone and telling them that they're wrong is the correct thing but it's not it's the that's not how change that's not how i think change happens anyway um i think it's a long drawn out slow process where people you know it's it'll all be about the next generation it'll be about the child you've had now johnny about how you're raising him a- absolutely so it's, it's fascinating your your perspective on this it really is i, I i'm i'm enjoying the uh, you know the angles you're taking and really illuminating in terms of you know absolutely the changing responsibilities and expectations on men um uh, but but i also think you know like you say it's not about shouting at people which there will be some of that anyway and and it kind of has to happen because some people won't listen so you do have to shout at them <laughs> you know but um most of the time learning takes place through people just watching and realizing that you can do it another way you know yeah. and um people are doing it different ways in in, in this current climate now, Jade, um, I'm pleased 
that you've stated on here that you are a feminist. I think you're going to love this next feature because we've talked loads about, you know, um, your own father and what you would expect from fathers in the current generation. But um, we just want to kind of really boil that down, distill that down to one bit of advice that you could give dads in the current climate. And this little feature of ours is called Get Your Tips Out for the Dads. Okay, Ooh. and I would be remiss if I didn't sing it. Okay, so Jade, get your tips out, get your tips out, get your tips out for the dads. Jade Adams for the dads. <laughs> I my tip for the dads. Okay, dads, if you've got girls, talk to them about their periods. Be the person that they come to about their periods. Please be there for them when they have their periods. They're not scary, it's just a bit of blood, but it's absolutely terrifying for a young girl to have a period. I didn't want either of my parents to know about it. I was so ashamed and it was sort of like, you know, I had my period in the early 90s, so it was very different, but I think it is cool to be there for your kid when she has her first period. I just... I just think that would be great for her. But how would you approach that as a as a father? Because in in terms, did you did your dad did Dave show up when you started having periods and say, <laughs> "Listen, let's have a chat." I wouldn't have let him. I don't think. And no, he didn't. But I was very. I've been very. I I think I've been very sort of quite ashamed when I was younger about my body changing. I didn't want it to. I didn't want to get hairy armpits. I didn't want to get boobs. I didn't want to turn into a woman. I wanted to stay as Jade, as this sort of funny child that was sort of asexual. I didn't want to, because there was that expectation. As soon as you started getting boobs, the boys might fancy you. But my problem was the boys didn't fancy me or if they did, it was all in silence. So I just didn't want to grow any of that stuff. And I think it might have been helped if there was a, um, I'm not saying like throw a party for your child if she's having a period. <laughs> I'm just talking about you buy tampons, you you research like moon cups and, and the things that the kid might need. Like there's moon cups, there's tampons, there's sanitary towels, there's all different types of things that you, you could you could do. And I think that's probably and if you've got a wife who's having a period as well, like be part of that journey because the hormone changes in women with periods are so significant and they've never been spoken about before, but things like, you know, like disorder, like um, premenstrual disorder happens and, and it's been so hidden and so quiet. And now people are talking about it. You know, women have suffered in silence with endometriosis mm. and that's like someone who grows like cysts and stuff on their womb and they can't do anything about it. And they have sure. to have things lasered off inside of there. But I think more of an interest in, in, not an interest, you don't have to be interested in it, but more of a, no more about periods than your child who's just got a period, you know? Like, sure, sure. More no knowledgeable. More. More knowledgeable. It's yeah. fascinating, and I'm just, I'm just kind of coming back on this a little bit in terms of because I think it's a great point to make, you know, about fathers who, I think, have typically shied away from those womanly functions and been like, oh, your mother can deal with it. But how do you think? Because you've said that when that happened for you, if David come over and went, sit down, I've got some stuff to tell you, you'd have been like, no. So how do, how could a dad approached that subject with his daughter when you know you've just as you said like young you would have been like oh this is weird how do you think that could be made to well, be a not, bit more palatable for them well you're not doing it for their reaction so they turn around like you're in a hollywood movie and go oh my god thanks dad you care about me <laughs> not talking that i'm just talking like like 
you know, why is it mum's dis- mum has to make sure there's tampons in? Why can't you like put that on the family shop and and know what to get for and what, know what to get for your child? If she's thirteen, she's probably quite small. You need to get some small sanitary towels. You know, like it's just logical stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just rather than going, oh, just let your mum deal with it. I think like I just think mum and dad should be part of that journey together. It's a huge thing for a woman. Um, uh, the hormone thing and and having babies it's awful I'm going to tell you as someone who's had periods for the last 20 years of my life I have only now like Rich my boyfriend knows when I'm having my period he knows uh, he knows that if I'm a bit short with him or I, I'm I say a bit short if I'm an arsehole he, he knows he knows why and he's aware of it and he's sort of aware of when I'm ovulating and stuff like that because it benefits him because I'm like he justifies why I'm being a bit bloody mental you know Jane, thank you so much for um, coming on the How's Your Father podcast. You've been a wonderful guest. And, thank you. And gave us some really... Because, you know, we do... This isn't just, as I say, a boys' club at the end of the day. And, and so much of fatherhood it is dictated to and, you know, perceived by females. And it's interesting to get that perspective as well. So, um, Jade, for our listeners who would have loved you, where can they find you? Or is there anything you're doing you might want to share? I have an Amazon Prime special called Serious Black Jumper, but also I've just launched my own brand new podcast called Laughable with two comics called Red Richardson and Garrett Millerick. And they are fabulous and it's a news-based podcast, but it's all the news that falls down the back of the sofa. So uh, we have no Trump, no Brexit, no coronavirus. It's all fun news that we then dissect. It's really good. It's really great. Fantastic. You heard it here. So get there, guys. Give it a listen and a subscribe. Thanks again, Jade. And we'll see you next time, guys. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.